complimentary power moves that you can do in the office or on the field or wherever your octagon or dojo of life happens to be. On the house, courtesy of Emerson Dameron, LA's number one avant-garde motivational speaker, if you see somebody you want to get some leverage on and that person asks you if you're having a nice day, say the best day of the rest of your life. They may not like you, but they will damn sure respect you. If you realize that you've said too much and you regret what has tumbled out of your mouth, say to the assembled, I trust you because you are wise enough to keep my secrets. That will shut them up good. This is Emerson Dameron, LA's number one avant-garde motivational speaker and host of Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes on K-Chung, kchungradio.org, medicated-minutes.com. I love you personally. Levity saves lives. Whatever it is that you think you have to do, you probably don't have to, but you can if you want to. That's important enough that I should probably say it to you in person, but instead, I'm saying it on Keichung, Los Angeles, 1630 AM, Chinatown, downtown Los Angeles, worldwide on the World Wide Web at KeichungRadio.org. This is Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes, medicated-minutes.com on the web. I'm Emerson Dameron. I'm the host and you're the listener, and levity saves lives. And jouissance is our topic today. What brings us joy? What visceral excitement have you felt lately? Don't think about it. That's really missing the point. I'm feeling pretty good. I am in the process of getting divorced and I'm still kind of messed up from that, but I'm working on it. There's joy in that practice and process. I recently got a vasectomy, which is liberating. I foreclosed on the one wife, two kids, two cars, many thousands of dollars in debt to a bank that I could have had. I know I could. I have the skills. I never wanted that. I was never going to have it. Now I'm definitely not going to have it. And I feel great about that. I won't say... The vasectomy is the easiest thing I've ever done. There was some momentary physical discomfort, a bit of soreness over the following week. Absolutely worth it. So I'm happy about that. And now that it's healed, I can go back to doing the thing that I possibly love the most that doesn't involve another person. The best things in life always are collaborative in one way or another but when I'm recharging which I do as an introvert I like swimming in the ocean I don't know if swimming is even quite accurate or sufficient 
I like wading out into the ocean and watching people on the beach and letting the waves hit me in the back of the head. That is a joyous experience. As the philosopher Georges Bataille has written. I gotta get this exactly right because it's just perfect as written. The sea continuously jerks off. And I want to be part of that exercise of mutual masturbation. The world erupts with life. Irrationality, chaos always catches up with whatever else is going on. And if that ain't jouissance, I don't know what is. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of Bataille, nor am I a detractor. Much as he wrote of the Marquis de Sade to celebrate or to hate, to dismiss, to seek to ban or banish. Either of those, and certainly both of them together, is, has to be based on a fundamental misunderstanding of what's really going on. I will say those ideas have been fun and interesting to hold somewhat lightly in this season of my life. The coolest summer in Los Angeles that I will ever get to experience again. And I do get into my own end zone some of the time. I get lost in the labyrinth as one does. I end up with the illusion that I'm alone sometimes. I get into musty corners of the labyrinth where I let myself believe that all relationships are transactional. Use the frameworks of capitalism to think about my own relationships and inevitably feel some resentment. But that is optional. There's plenty of room in the world for things that cannot be optimized. We can de-optimize things that have been optimized. That's a bit of a process, but absolutely can be done. I'm living a good life, which is mostly a process of elimination. I'm better off than 99.9% .9 of people who have ever lived in human history. I'm a member of the cultural elite in good standing. For instance, I think religion is stupid, if useful. 
in some ways maybe not worth the trouble anymore at this point but living a good life is mostly a process of elimination and I can totally appreciate wanting some structure which is why I created the paradoxical philosophy of satanic Buddhism which both celebrates our insatiable lust for apotheosis and mourns the tragedy that life is suffering but to return to the moment we're in is to surrender everything else and acknowledge that we never had it which sounds easy until you really start doing it Okay, come back, wake up for a minute, there it is, joissance, it's gonna get you, you can't outrun joy forever. If it feels like punishment to connect with other people, then keep punishing yourself in that way. You're going to punish yourself one way or another. That is the best way in many respects. I get it. I don't necessarily want to do that all the time either, but it's the best way to learn. And learning is the best way to punish yourself. And it totally makes sense that you would punish yourself. There are so much to punish yourself for. It is so highly improbable that any of this is happening. That if you feel like, I have to earn this that it only counts if you deserve it. That is the express lane to barking madness. And I know because most of us are already there. But just... breathe. Slow down. A little bit of box breathing. Breathe in. Count of four. Hold it. Count of four. Breathe out, count of four, and then rest there in the not breathing, count of four. Maybe count to four a little bit more slowly than I did. I'm afraid of dead air, but I shouldn't be, and neither should you. You can say one marshmallow, two marshmallow, and so on, if that helps. And then come back here and wake up for a minute. There it is, joissance.
all the comedy and tragedy and joy and joy sauce of this moment is yours. Just get in there. Do it. Explode it. Speak about it in hyperbolic terms. Make it bigger. And then shrink it. Till you can't see it anymore. And then zoom in. And then keep zooming in. Zoom in till it gets big. Zoom in until you're only looking at a tiny, tiny part of it. Get down to the last pixel. And just see and be all of it. Joissons! Beat it up. Do it to it. Make it bloody like the sun. Feel the part of you that goes up and out of you in order to find and merge with another. In that tussling of souls, find all of the tragedy and comedy and life. All of it there at once and together in this point and that point and then back here because this is where we are and this is what we have. Joissance, summon some for someone. That someone is you. You can be it, you can have it. It's exhilarating, but you really have to live in it. Let it destroy you. Because you were never here. All of that got turned over a long time ago. So that's why you have to come back. And be here and scream inside all the time. Possibly scream alone in your parked car. Not an earshot of other folks. If you can get around that. Because that power is unbearable. I'm a writer, so I spend a lot of time just absolutely scared to death of my own awesome power. I'm a godlike being. The only way I can create is to impose constraints on myself. Because when I look at the blank canvas, I can do anything. Anything. But I can't do everything all the time, which is frustrating. and means that I have to make all kinds of choices. And because I'm so powerful, the choices I have to make are nearly infinite in scope. I have to say no to almost everything to in order to say yes to anything. Otherwise, I'm just stuck in the maybes, which is fine. Maybe's a beautiful place to be. It's so much so that it's hard to get out of there sometimes. That's what you see when you uh, 
ride the lightning. You see it in the tusk of every wal- walrus. Every star in the sky. Every grain of sand on the beach is here. The absurdity of coitus. Itself a parody of all of the violence that we do to each other all the time, which is itself a ridiculous attempt at commentary failing entirely on the love that we feel for each other all the time. When my face is flushed with blood, it turns red and obscene. That was an issue that I had uh, when I was drinking. I would get very flushed, even before I really started getting drunk. It was just something that was unpredictable and happened sometimes. Where I was drinking more or less every day to the point of intoxication and heedlessness. I don't do that anymore. I could not keep it up. Things are much better now that I've stopped. But sometimes I would get that facial flush, the sunburned look, just as I was getting started. And people would see it and express concern. They would ask me if I'd been outside And it did take me a minute to figure out the whole sunscreen thing, but it usually wasn't that. Because a lot of the time, I wasn't outside nearly enough. I was inside bars or people's apartments or my apartment, just packing them away. Drinking fifths of vodka. So, it would have been better, perhaps, had I been outside. Unfortunately, that was not the case. I was feeling a part of my humanity. A grotesque, violent part of my humanity. And that grotesquery is part of the deal. In this context, not necessarily. It's certainly easy to write it out. There are plenty of utopian fantasy writers who manage to get rid of it and set up constraints where, in fact, they don't have to deal with death and decay and tragedy and the ways in which we let each other down. Most of that stuff you expect to see a little bit of it in fiction if for no other purpose than to generate conflict. But if you're building a utopia, you're not necessarily troubled by those kinds of constraints. That's why it takes a paradoxical philosophy to build uh, an irrational and therefore potentially more realistic kind of dream house clubhouse for your people. The community of those of us with nothing in common. 
There is no feeling like swimming in the ocean, though, to bring all of that to bear and to the fore and into my consciousness and bring me back smack into this moment. The ocean, of course, is furiously jerking off at all times. Volcanoes are the anuses of the world, of the world and the earth and the energy that is broken up by the occasional vibe. An ego death is five black stars across a black sky. It's easier to kill God, because we already did that, than it is to kill the ego. Although it does happen. I know because I hear a lot of people bragging about their ego death experiences. But you do have to come back from there. And if you're... PTO, your vacation was spent in a place where you realize that there's nothing separating you from God. It's entirely possible to come back and have the ego reassert itself as it does most of the time. Not necessarily. There's a, there's a maybe there. But in my case and yours, the ego is the odds-on favorite. It will probably reanimate and reassert itself and wedge itself back into the conversation and take advantage of that realization that there's no separation between you and God because God is dead, you killed him, you can only do that if you're dead too. I don't quite understand it, but just go with me here. We're all dead. Life is ridiculous. Levity saves it. But you might get confused and think that you are in fact God. Which is not possible because God is dead. And yet... There's sometimes a temptation to step into that vacuum. Mostly humility and self-awareness keep us from doing that. But it's tempting. It can be very remunerative. I'm acquainted with a few people who firmly believe that they're gods. We're not close friends. They tend to prioritize and incentivize utility and transactional relationships and I ain't got a whole lot of time for that. But they're out there. I know them. I've seen them up close. And they're convinced that they are walking, breathing, talking, eating, excreting gods. And I usually just like to let them have that. 
because they're obviously having fun with it. It can be very fun to watch, and most, if not all of them, are very rich or more rich than average, perhaps more than you would think. Most people are a lot more broke than you think they are, except for a few people who have a lot more money than you think they have. And those would-be aspiring gods among us find themselves in that category. And so it can be scary to not be nice to them, and usually I don't really have a reason to be rude, so... I keep it real if that is honored. I don't have time to keep it real with everyone all the time. And admittedly, sometimes I don't keep it real with people who can help me with something. They probably expect something in return. That's okay. I can do that. There is some transactionality that's hard to get around in this modern age, and that's life in the big city. I'm more happy laying it down with people. And that's a ongoing, unfolding, continuous process because I develop and grow and learn about myself and learn about this makes big gesture to everything around us through relationship with other folks. So... As I get into those relationships and I keep it real in one moment, that moment immediately becomes part of the past. And what was real in the past does not necessarily remain so. You gotta constantly check that out, which means that keeping it real is an ongoing practice. You do go from unconscious incompetence into painfully conscious incompetence. I know what that's like. It's a hassle. You kind of want to just go back to sleep. But if you don't, you can make your way into um, conscious competence. followed by unconscious competence. That's when things get really sweet. Until things change as they do and one of Earth's anuses erupts. Then you come back into conscious incompetence. And possibly all the way back to unconscious incompetence. It can and does happen. And that's okay. Because if you're asleep, there's an easy way out of that, which is to wake up. You don't have to do it now. Sleep is good. A healthy amount of sleep. 
and conditions that facilitate that. Or maybe even make it beautiful. Lately, I've started shutting off my electronic devices and reading books by candlelight. I love the way that they feel in my hands. I'll turn on a fan. Maybe the white noise generator. Or sometimes I like falling asleep to an audiobook or a podcast. Perhaps you're falling asleep right now to Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes. In which case, I'm honored to be a part of that. But there's one easy way out of sleep, and that's to wake up. And you can wake up by just waking up. Coming back, noticing... Oh, there it is. Joissance. There it is, and here we are. The true expression of power comes through the passions. The triumph of the will allows for the full absurdity of being alive. Something Bataille was arguably off about in his reading of Nietzsche. Where he took the will to power more the way that some of the power-hungry misreaders of Nietzsche tend to take it. In reality, it's a complex, multifaceted thing that absolutely allows for tragedy, for the grotesque for comedy, for all of that. It's all here, it's all there. On Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes, on Kei Chung, 16.30 a.m. in Chinatown, and around Chinatown, downtown Los Angeles. Maybe a little bit of Echo Park, and the aspects are right. Worldwide on the World Wide Web, kchungradio.org. Just feel that churning, burning ocean. Be in that relationship. Feel how it feels. Experience joissance in the way you like to experience it.
I don't know. It's okay to not know. To not know feels amazing. I know it's scary, but it's not that hard. I'll go first. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what I'm talking about. I often check in with myself just to make fun of myself because what's coming out of my mouth has no connection to reality. And I'm still here. And I'm basically fine. The world keeps spinning. I'm a radical agnostic. I don't know and you don't either. When you can rest in the not knowing, it frees up a lot of your bandwidth. And you're pretty much guaranteed to feel a lot better. Just say it. Just admit it. I don't know. Just say it. Unfortunately, you have to love everyone. Everyone means all of them. No exceptions. The things that you hate or love in a toxic or limerent way are your own psychological projections. You're fighting with different versions of yourself. When you behold and witness these trembling creatures in their full comic complexity, you have to love them. It's mandatory. I know it's annoying. I don't like it much either. But when you do love everyone, you can be a lot more selective in who you hang out with. You can create your community of people with nothing in common, the true players. Love everyone, everything else is optional. You have been listening to Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes on Kei Chung, 16.30 a.m. in certain parts of Chinatown, downtown Los Angeles, worldwide on the World Wide Web, keichungradio.org. Site for the show, medicated-minutes.com. I'm Emerson Dameron, and... Welcome to my vanity project. You've found it somehow, which is baffling and amazing. There is so much other stuff that you could be listening to. I'm glad you're here. I appreciate the vast improbability of that and it makes me love you even more when I really think about the scale of the beautiful mystery of us pretending to spend this time together yes the show is very self-indulgent Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes is the title and description. And I don't know that it goes a lot deeper or further than that. And I don't know how you ended up listening to this. Maybe it was a recommendation from somebody you know. Probably someone you're not quite sure about. Maybe you're scanning the AM dial. That's entirely possible. This covers a densely packed, if geographically small in terms of square miles, 
area of the world. So that's a possibility. And it's also possible that you have been spending the last little bit waiting for the show to start. And at some point it dawned on you that the show already started. It's been going on for a while. And this is it. Congratulations. You're here. You're one of us. My community of people with nothing in common. I think of this show as my personal emanation. My non-productive expenditure of pure waste. Just setting my time and effort on fire so we can dance by the light and breathe in the smoke together. I'm having fun. I hope you are. If you think that I'm letting you down on some kind of deal of what I was supposed to provide on my end of this, I would respectfully disagree, not knowing any more than that. I think that's questionable. I don't think we need to optimize everything. I think we have to interrogate this notion of every relationship is a value exchange. Sometimes I'm all about just wasting time. And I do that in a lot of different ways. Unfortunately, this is only a very small part of who I am and what I do. And generally, my approach to life is more along the lines of less talking, more doing. I like to hike in the Bologna wetlands, swim in the Pacific Ocean, sometimes dance on the beach, maybe poke around my neighborhood in Venice or other parts of the city of Los Angeles. Places I've never been before because there are always more of those. It's a massive part of the world in terms of breadth and depth of what you can stumble into. And my dance card has been pretty full lately. There was a while there where I wasn't getting in the mix as much, but I think I'm getting that handled. I've got a lot of activities, a lot of social parallax, hanging out with people who don't know the other people that I'm hanging out with, expanding my view of the world and my awareness and, in fact, my own identity as I only exist in relation to others. It's my basic insufficiency. 
that I assume I share with you. Maybe not. I think there's a high probability that that's the case. We're always insufficient. And God is dead. We killed him. That leaves us with the other people in the labyrinth who we can't necessarily see over the walls. We might hear them laughing or crying, making intonations, talking to themselves. It is only being lost in the labyrinth that makes us feel alone. That doesn't mean it's easy to connect with other folks. A man who finds himself among others is irritated because he does not know why he is not one of the others. It takes practice. It is a practice. To become one with your community of people with nothing in common. And that's always going to be transitory. Because anything, relationships, philosophy, life, must make room for absurd tragedy. The fundamental insufficiency. Tragedy is fine. It's good. It's necessary, if insufficient, for the existence of comedy. Which is how I categorize this show. Alternative experimental comedy. If you're wondering what that's like, this is it. In general, I'm all about saying less, doing more, less talking, more doing. Unfortunately, this show relies heavily on the talking part of that equation. There's not much way I can do the show without talking. That's a big part of it. There are other kinds of effort emanation involved. Lots of non-productive expenditure to go around, but the talking is definitely the essence. Again, it is only a small part of who I am, and I recognize that my experience of you is only a small part of who you are. There's more to me and more to you. So let's honor that and recognize that there's a limitation on what we can do with this. And then let's have fun tearing each other apart in the context of this limited container. 
what we've got here is a parasocial relationship. I am a voice in your head. It feels like I'm hanging out with you. That's not the case. I hope that it alleviates your loneliness. I'm lonely a lot of the time. I appreciate things that do that. There's a limit to how much I can do in the context of this relationship. Which theoretically could be more than this. If you reached out to me and suggested that we got together and had sex, you would have nothing to lose by letting me know that. It is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. It makes you seem better in my eyes. I want to be wanted more than anything, so inevitable. That's going to make my little part of the world a little bit happier just because you did it. I also love mad courage and I know that it takes a lot of courage to do that. It's horrifying to tell someone I want to have sex with you. You're just putting it out there, laying it on the line, no more bander, no double entendres, just let's have it out. And that takes some courage, which I deeply respect. There's a possibility that I will not reciprocate. And that's less that I don't want you than it is about the fact that I am busy. My time is more limited by the minute. And that's really all it is. If I had an infinite amount of time, I could have sex with everyone. Who wanted to have sex with me, obviously. But that's not going to happen mostly for logistical reasons and just the hassle of scheduling get-togethers in the Los Angeles area. So I might be busy, but thanks all the same. That took some gumption and some hoptuitiveness. And you definitely made me a little happier. Although I'm not sure... Maybe you're getting the better end of that deal. I am very desirable as a partner. I'm a member of the cultural elite. I live in the Santa Monica Bay area of Southern California. Beautiful part of the world. Amazing weather. Some of the most beautiful, brilliant, creative people that I know, some who are not part of that category. Of course, there are many beautiful, creative people that I know elsewhere. 
I also have no idea what I'm talking about. Which absolutely makes me more desirable. I check in with myself all the time to say, hey, did you notice that you have no idea what you're talking about? Just listening to the words that come out of my mouth is delightful to me because I am a hick from North Carolina and I don't know. And that is absolutely thrilling. There's nothing better than not knowing. I'm a radical agnostic. I don't know and you don't either. And it feels so good. Just say it. I don't know. Say it. I don't know. Release. As long as we're here and we've got some time together, let's try to figure out what you actually want. First of all, what do you think you want? You can make a list. I usually make a list of 10 items and throw out nine. That should be enough to get you pointed in the right direction. And then really interrogate yourself. Do I actually want this? Which could be yes, no, maybe. The universe still contains a maybe in defiance of everything. And if you go with yes or uh, maybe on the yes side of maybe, the next question becomes, why do I want this? Who showed me how to want this? Somebody did. It didn't come out of nowhere. And then, if I got this, what would it look like? Would I be able to enjoy it and then put it to bed when the time came? Or would I sap all of the enjoyment by trying to squeeze out the maximum amount of enjoyment? Or utility? Whatever it is that I want from this thing. And then make another list. Paradoxical philosophies involving this thing. If the thing you want is peace, imagine a violent peace. If you want hot, hot sex, see the grotesqueness of that. And live in that for a while. Come for the sex. Stay for the death. And know how it feels to want all of it. Of course, you'll get all of that. Wanting is really just impatience. You won't get all of it all the time, but inevitably, whether through tragedy or a moment of levity, 
anything sublime, you will be brought back here to the present moment. For better, for worse, and for whatever else applies. I would say to celebrate something or to denigrate and dismiss it. Either of those is to fundamentally misunderstand it. That's why I wouldn't say I'm a fan of Georges Bataille. I would not say that I'm a hater. Those writings, many of which he never intended to publish, are there, and I'm here, and I can have some fun with them. And that's what life is about. What else do we really have? We have each other. We have the... The potlatch. The community of those with nothing in common. And we can get together and practice radical presentism. The abolition of the future. The future is where all the really scary stuff happens. And we spend a lot of time hanging out there. More than is necessary, perhaps. But the present moment is always here. And we can bring ourselves into it through sex, food, physical exercise, hyperventilating on purpose, ecstatic drug experiences, jouissance. If it was easy to be here, everyone would be doing it all the time. And that's obviously not the case. And something is lost when you abolish the future. To live in this moment is to give up on everything else. Which is no small thing. If you think it is, you haven't done it lately. It gets harder and harder all the time. The stuff that you have to give up is piling up. And the present moment is less impressive in the context of that all the time. There's always more stuff around it. So there's more that you have to let go. And when you give that stuff away, there's the possibility that someone else gets to enjoy it. And that's a noble emanation. And just giving it away, setting it on fire, is a good way to show people who's the boss. That would be you. Non-productive expenditures. You rolling in style and flashing it. And that's an invitation for people to take more than you've offered. Not exactly. If somebody pushes you 
you don't have to do anything. I think the essence of dominance is knowing when to do nothing. And a good life is mostly a process of elimination. And the more stuff you get rid of, the more you come back to the present moment, a.k.a. here. And to live here, as both of us know, because we are here together in a sense, I'll allow that. I'm more of an aspiring avoidant. I really do love to connect and mix it up with my people. I love the sesh. It's true. I don't do a good job of hiding it. But there's joy and grief in this moment. To live in the present moment is a tragic acknowledgement of the limits of human power. Mostly yours, not so much mine. My power is fine. I'm, I'm going to be all right. All kidding aside... Everything converges upon the present. It's all we've got. It's glorious, ecstatic, grotesque. All of those things and everything else. Because the surprise at the end of the story, and I constantly coming to the end of the Emerson Dameron story. My process of mourning is ever incomplete. Because I'm always killing that bastard. And feeling that loss in my gut. And you are always coming to the end of the story of you. When somebody else gets in there, anything could happen. When you come back to the present moment, there is no character. There's no background. There are no meaningful hopes and fears, wants and needs. Bitterness, regret... That's all in the past and or the future. The loneliness goes away. That part is excellent. You get to experience sovereignty, the ability to consume all of this without having to participate in labor. phenomenon experienced along a continuum and experienced as miraculous if it's experienced properly. Jouissance doesn't get much more jouissance than that. 
where the end becomes a means rather than the means being the end. Order and rationality are ripped asunder and we're free to discover bigger ways in which we are not free. And that's fun. That's what life is all about, among other things. You can always come back. It's here, it's gone, it's here again, you missed it. There it is. You can sit here and just watch all of the symbols and things that are parodies of other things. Witness the immense comic power of the unexpected juxtaposition or the off-the-wall analogy. Experience the confusion that serves as the vehicle of love. And we can put our arms around each other. And you can forget my presence while you shudder in my arms. And then perhaps we will fall asleep as empty as mirrors, as everything on Earth is broken apart by the vibes, various amplitudes and durations. But there's ultimately no getting out of it. Because when I wake up, before I do anything else, before I write or meditate, even before I have coffee, I scream, I am the sun. And an integral erection results. Which represents the verb to be the vehicle of amorous frenzy. This is Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes on K-Chung, kchungradio.org, 16.30 a.m. in and around Chinatown, downtown Los Angeles, medicated-minutes.com is the dedicated site for the show. I'm Emerson Dameron, the writer, producer, director, the host, the talent, and the star of Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes. This little potlatch of the community of those of us with nothing in common. Where all the people who hate people get together and love everybody. Because you really have to love everyone. I know, it's not appealing. 
I don't really want to do it either. But we have to. The good news is, once you do, you can get a lot more selective about the people you spend time with. When you recognize everything that you hate or disdain or don't have time for as a psychological projection and see those people as characters and your own story. You can decide who you really want to be around. And you're around me, and I'm around you, and I honor that so much. Let's make it a regular thing. I'm Emerson Dameron. I love you. Levity saves lives. <laughs>